guys, welcome back to another episode of Seriously, your podcast. So today's episode is going to be pretty interesting. Um, so before we start, once again, I'm Simran. I'm Rain. I'm Liz. And today we're joined with... Hi, this is Andrea from Medina Rising and I'm a love and relationship and sex coach. Okay, cool. So like, um, today we're going to be talking about sexual pleasure. But before we start, we just wanted to like remind you guys that we have an Instagram, which is at Seriously Official. Go and follow us there for like all our updates. That's honestly the main platform where we update everything. And we also have a YouTube now where we like upload monthly videos so if you want to check out our content there it's at seriously official as well and if you like tiktok because that's in trend now we have a tiktok too at seriously official please follow us there it's popping and then last but not least we have a patreon if you would like to support us we would really really appreciate that because we have really interesting content there in store for you guys as exclusive only to our patreon subscribers so like yep now we'll get into the episode. So, um, pretty sure sexual pleasure is not really a term that most people are very familiar with. So, like, uh, Andrea, like, do you have like a definition of like what sexual pleasure is? Hi, yeah. So we're jumping straight into it, right? So, um, well, sexual pleasure is a very, very, I guess, broad and fluffy term. But to me, it's really about like turn on. It's about being able to feel, uh, your arousal and um, a sense of, um like kind of uh, pleasure and uh, arousal through the body uh, not always genital um, but always with a with a very intense um, sense of build-up um, partly when it links to sexuality okay so like um, before we get started into like the deeper aspect of the episode we just wanted to like share our personal journeys with sexual exploration starting with him so, okay fine I guess starting <laughs> with me um, I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but I guess, like, when I first acknowledged my sexuality was when I was 17, where, like, I realized that, like, you know, like, I can touch myself and, like, I have a vagina and I have, like, sexual needs. Because I think before I was 17, like, my vagina was just there, but it was, like, I, was, I never acknowledged it at all, literally. And then, um, yeah, it's, like, when I started, like, exploring myself and, like, understanding like how it works and like yeah like do like self-pleasure and all that and then like with partner play it was when like I got my first boyfriend at 18 and then it's when like um yeah I lost my virginity and then that's how like I started exploring my body with someone else so for me it wasn't it didn't really happen necessarily very young because 17 and 18 is like in this current society it's like in the middle quite range normal. yeah it's quite normal where like most teens are like raging hormones they like like, oh my god, I'm feeling horny, I wanna, like, explore that. So, like, yeah, for me, it started with, like, masturbation and, like, like, touching myself and all that, and then it went to, like, exploring my body with my boyfriend, and then now it's, like, um, both. Mm. Yeah. So, it's me. You. Yeah, what age do you start? I don't know, yeah. I think I might have been, like, 16, 17 as well. I think mine, mine more started as partnered. Because, like, I wasn't super sexual. I never really got anything from myself. So I just, like, I was like, oh, okay, I guess uh, I don't know how to do anything. So uh, all my all my feelings came from very partner-played stuff. Because if I do anything myself, I can't feel it. So it's, it's very weird. It's very weird. But that, that that's how it all happened. But, okay. yes. So then for someone who um, doesn't... hasn't explored yet what would be the best way to start exploring your sexuality for someone who hasn't started exploring Mm. uh, themselves Mm. yet um well it's very interesting that you have both have very different experiences that means like one starting from sex and one starting from exploration first right because i think everything is slightly possible um my suggestion would really be to just get acquainted with you know like self-touch not not sexual touch per se but touch skin on skin you know figuring out like these are the different parts of the vulva and like this is how it feels or looks like on my body like this how my body feels and looks um and it doesn't have to be sexual it doesn't have to be touched for the sake of building arousal i think that is a great way to start because generally when you kind of have to look at like um especially for girls um in their teens looking at like menstrual products and stuff you anyway will have to 
be somewhat acquainted. So it's mm. kind of part and parcel of that. It's just getting a little bit more comfortable and acquainted with yourself. And oh, this is how the vulva feels like. This is how the inner labia feels like. You know, this is how the vag- vaginal opening feels like. Um, and then, you know, you kind of get your, uh, to know your body a little bit better first. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. Okay, so... Okay, so, you know, you are talking about the terms like labia and, um, um, like, I, sorry, what? Vulva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, I think these are terms that we've all heard before, but we don't really know what exactly they are. And, like, um, I think that's one of the common issues that surround this, uh, problem of sexual pleasure in Singapore, that we don't have... Enough information. Correct. Enough information and education. Mm, Yeah, I I guess really just understanding... I mean, you don't really always have to know the terms. I guess it helps. For a lot of people, it helps because you can kind of put like, you know, body part to to a name. Mm -hmm. But you don't always exactly have to know the terms. But you have to be willing to start to see um, how the touch feels like, how it explores, you know, because otherwise it just feels like an ikigui mess and you just like want to disassociate with it. But it's actually your body... Yeah. So do you feel like in Singapore there's like any major issues surrounding um normalizing sexual pleasure or like anything that's holding it back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always get asked this question. Um uh first and foremost I want to say that Singapore has a lot more progressed a lot more forward yeah. than than we than it has been the last um the last decade or so. So you know, it's not like like we are way behind in primitive times. Yeah. Um, but I do believe that like from an education perspective, a lot more can be done in terms of who's educating, like who are the sexual edu- who delivers the sexual education classes, uh the content itself, you know, so right now it's very um there are certain uh, different topics that are brought in. It's not just only about consent. It's not only just about abstinence. Um, but I kind of feel like we touch on the really, a lot of little, uh, we, we touch very high level on all the topics, but we don't go into details for some of them, which will be a lot more useful for someone who is going through, you know, like their teens, you know, their, their education, and they really just want to find out more information. Um, you know, usually kind of school or sexual education is the place where you go for information, right, and knowledge. Um, so that part, I think, still way more, uh, a lot more to, to build on. Um, I think the other thing within Singapore is just generally, it's, it's not so much a Singaporean thing. I think it's worldwide. It's this whole thing around like shame and judgment and, and just a sense of like, you know, like you have, you can't be too knowledgeable or you can't ask too many questions around it. You know, if not, there's something wrong with you. There's something slutty about you. There's something, bad or dirty about you if you kind of like mm. ask too much questions so I think that kind of stigma um, regarding like curiosity exploration needs to shift um, that's probably one of the bigger things that's uh, trickier in Singapore um, and just worldwide in general so, but definitely in Singapore and um, internet like internet's like you, you you get a lot of information off the internet right it's very easy to get information I can google anything I want um, but that's also the other problem because then you need discernment but without proper knowledge and education how do you or even educators enough educators out there you know with integrity to give the right information um, how do you discern what's uh, relevant and what's accurate from the internet so that portion is also like the discernment piece is also something that needs to be guided I guess um, and not enough focus is uh, there. You know, right now it's really all about sensationalization in the media. You know, like um, learn how to orgasm mm. in ten seconds, or you know, what's oh, the yeah, latest yeah. new toy, or like how do you be um, great in bed with the ten um, tips or something like that. You know, it's oh a very sensational. <laughs> but, no, dude, there were, there used to be that video that went viral, like the the kissing thing, like learning how to kiss. Oh yeah. That yeah okay. That that's all. I just have flashbacks. That's all. Uh. No, but it's true though. Like last time when I was Googling stuff, like you always see those articles but like Cosmopolitan. Like those oh, yeah, female like then ways to spice up your sex life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also like I was wondering, right, like whether parents have a very huge part to play. Because like personally for me, I know that my parents I don't wanna say they fucked me up, but like they did for a while make me feel very like like, it was wrong for me to explore myself. Because I just felt like, to them, it's like, you have to wait until marriage to even, like, know what horniness feels like. Or, like, you cannot touch yourself, only your partner can touch you. And it's very Indian, very conservative. And it was just, like, 
like very difficult for me to understand my body not having a mom to talk to about these things because like she's a female who's been through it and like, I look up to her right so like I don't know if I ever have a kid, I don't want her to feel like she cannot come up to me. But that's personally a problem that I was facing that I can't even talk to like my mom, my aunts, like anybody. Not even my teachers will talk to me. So it's like me just having to talk to my friends and us figuring out things together even if it's not necessarily right. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I I think I can I can get behind that. Yeah. So like yeah, my question is whether parents have like a part to play. Parents have a huge part to play. I mean big not just sexuality, right? Your entire upbringing. But first and foremost, I want to say that, you know, it's, it's alright to go to magazines and stuff. I mean, like, they, a lot of the mainstream magazines do provide some level of information, even though it's very, like I said, you know, it touches on just a few key sensational points. Because at the end of the day, um, you have to Google get information from all the various sources. Um, but parents are probably your biggest source of, uh, role model, I guess, also. It's not just the information they give you. I feel parents' role is more important because not, I mean, for parents, you can't know everything. You know, you, you, you can't, your, your child will ask you all the why questions and you may not be able to answer everything. But minimally, you have to be able to role model, um, the willingness to uh, touch on difficult topics or the willingness yeah. to be comfortable with your body. So the, the role parents play is actually quite key. And I, I'm, I'm looking to work with a lot of parents on this because I work with adults um, and, and I see how it affects their children, right? Is how they themselves need to get past their uh, maybe triggers or discomfort mm. or even issues. It's not like they must be sexually liberated and like, you know, mm. super comfortable with talking about sex with everybody. Yeah. But they need to at least know when is it that they are triggered themselves and it's not about their kid. Because a lot of times parents project on their kids. So, you know, the minute they, their kid is thinking about masturbation, they like, they, you know, they start thinking about, I don't know, the parents like starts thinking that, you know, the kid will then get pregnant before they go to university or something like that. You know, they just jump to a very weird conclusion because they themselves are maybe worried, you know, about like future, about your ability to sustain yourself and all that. You know, they're, they're worried about very different things, um, yeah. which is not about the kid. Um, so uh, I do find that parents need to work a lot on that and how they want to role model that that comfort level. And, and I think you, you mentioned something really important, um, which is we all kind of grew up realizing what didn't work. Um, my mom, I think up to today, cannot say the word sex in front of me. Oh my god, um, save. <laughs> yeah, so um, I don't know where she thinks my two kids came from. Probably. <laughs> in, my joke is that they came from Immaculate Conception. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she can't say that. So like when I hit puberty, um, around the age, so it was around 12, where, you know, that's when everybody start, like they start giving you information on like the menstrual pads and everything. She handed me a really small book. It was like kind of like a how to um, handle your your period kind of stuff, but she never said a thing. She just passed me the book, um, and so up to today she can't really do that. So I I get the whole disconnect right that you have with, that we have with parents, and um, I think you put out a really good point, which is very important for parents to start thinking about like when your kid starts exploring and having questions or even just a bit of fear around like all this feels really weird and I don't know who to go to because I'm feeling weird you know I'm not feeling like I used to feel um, and for them to feel comfortable just feel comfortable going to the parent not not that the parent like know, like again I said no, knows everything but like just to feel comfortable going to that parent or that yeah. auntie I think it's very important and in fact if if it's a whole family that means you know you're comfortable going to your auntie even your grandma or your, your mom. Uh, or like all the older sisters, that's really key, or cousins. Because not every time you will want to go to one person for one issue. Mm. You know, sometimes maybe like you're more comfortable with another person for a slightly different issue. Like maybe with about boyfriend stuff, maybe you want to ask your auntie, you know, because yeah. maybe your mom might be yeah. over triggered. But maybe masturbation stuff can still ask your mom, you know, something like that. Mm. So having that family, that village is really important. I think this is, this is something that parents need to really consider, um, you know, in the broader sense, uh, about building this for their child. Um, I'm also a divorced mom, um, so of two kids. So for me, it's really important that that exists because, you know, when my kids are at their dad's, I need them to know that they can approach different people, that they are comfortable mm. as they're growing up on, on topics that are very, very crucial. Um, so I think we need to really think broader. Um, I mean, from a parental level, um, there needs to be a bigger picture. It's not just, Oh, you know, kid, come, you know, girl, come down, sit down, I talk to you, Let, let's have a talk. It's not so much about that, but it's that broader sense of what are you building for your child, what are you modeling, 
and try not to project too quickly. Like, you know, if your kid gets, I, I, I've heard this a lot. Um, the kid gets caught uh, in front of the computer, right? And then there's like porn on the computer and then they like immediately flare up. And for all you know, actually most of the times, I mean, sometimes the kid is probably really curious or maybe they are really like, you know, frequent viewer already on the computer. <laughs> but there is a high chance also that that kid clicked on something wrong, you know, like probably one of those links. And it just popped out and they were like, oh, this is interesting. What is it? And they were just kind of like watching for a few more seconds because that's not normal mainstream TV, right? So like, like most of the time before we project, um, look at what, look at what's really coming up for the parent and, and what do you want to provide for the kid? I think that's, that's really key in how some of the parents are looking after, um, their child's growing sexuality, I guess. Yeah. Actually, I had a question because you're, you're, you know, you're a parent. So how did you like broach this conversation with your kids? My kids, my, my kids are one in primary school and one in secondary school. So, um, the primary school one, he, he still doesn't quite like get it. And, yeah, you know, he's understandable. Still, yeah, he's still in his nice little world. Um, and you really have to look at age. It doesn't mean that once they hit nine years old or 10 years old, okay, I must have this conversation. And once I hit mm. 12 years old, I must have this conversation. It, it really depends on, where the kid is and what I mean like when a kid is 8 years old they don't want to hear every single thing you know every single yeah. detail they don't they don't really need to know you know so there is stuff where it's also age appropriate depending to the development um, it's more for the older one um, and actually for both I started out with body uh, awareness because it's also about safety when you're sending them out into the world into school um, childcare um, I needed them to understand what was private and what wasn't yet even if it's private with other people, it doesn't mean that it's bad or ugly. So I had to work a lot on that, getting the shame out of it. Or rather, I didn't project the shame, but I still need to project like boundaries and consent and they need to understand that. It started out more with that first. And the older one, because it's in secondary school, so then there's the whole thing around puberty. Um, and then um, actually, she, she learned about sex in a very weird way. So, you know, you, all these are teaching moments. We were in the museum and... Um, so I was bringing her through the Singapore Museum and we were talking about World War II and then there was this thing, this is the weirdest way, they were talking about comfort women and, you know, how, like, the women tried to be really ugly, uh, put charcoal on their faces to avoid being uh, caught as comfort women and she was like, why, what would happen, you know, and I said, oh, they'll be raped, you know, because that's what they say, a lot of the comfort women were being raped and she's like, what does that mean? So I had to explain the process of rape or rather the, the non-consent portion of penetration or attempted rape. And that's when we got into, oh, but this is sex if it's like consensual and, you know, and, and things like that. This is what sex is. So we, it went in a very weird way. Um, but I think it's due to the development of ages and um, first starting out with the body and then moving on to um, puberty and understanding that. So when she got her first period, she was actually really prepared um, and like, I, I felt really alone when I got my period, like, cause, you know, I was trying to figure everything out. I was trying to clean and, you know, it was just really messy. And then your body feels a little bit different as well. Um, but for her, she, she was really prepared. So much what so that I think when I went through the whole thing, she was like, she was like, you're enjoying it, right? Can you please stop talking to me? <laughs> I think that's like the first time I put a girl be prepared for her period. Like, to know what to do. Mine was fine. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to hear our stories, we have a period episode. Yeah. That would have already true. been out, so yeah, you can go and check it out. Okay, I'll definitely check that out. <laughs> yeah, but to me, it's very important um, because the period signifies how a girl, like, I mean, I, I know it's very cliche, right? How a girl yeah. becomes a woman, right? Mm. Um, but because it's that kind of transition, and if you're kind of pushed into that transition, like almost randomly by chance you know like not knowing where you're going I, I just think that you miss an opportunity to really be comfortable with your body and understand that yeah. there are options um so yeah so so luckily she was prepared um you know she's comfortable with like reusable pads you know so like it's a lot of blood but you know it's not like it's massively weird and in fact it's a great teaching moment for her brother because he's like why is there so much blood <laughs> you know and then we can kind of explain you know, and he's like, will this happen to me? And I'm like, no, okay, let me explain the female and male body. So it's a lot of teaching moments and it's a great way to have conversations. Like every other day conversations. <laughs> That's really cool. I think like if, if, yeah. if my mom was like that, I'd have a very different upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> you can be a mom like that. I'll be the cool if mom. If you have ever a mom. Or you can be the cool aunt. Yeah, I'll be the cool aunt. <laughs> okay. So um, 
to move on, I think you mm. briefly mentioned that like even for you as a mom, like how you taught your kids is to first of all like explore explore your body mm. and to like be comfortable with that. So like moving on to areas of exploration. So like getting to know your body first is probably like the best start, right? As you mentioned at the start of the episode or so. But like what's some other areas of exploration that like one can take to start mm. acknowledging and yeah. Yeah, definitely around uh, pleasure. So yeah. remember I just mentioned earlier like self-touch starts with like it doesn't yeah. always have to be sexual. But then um, because that's the sexual arousal and pleasure, there's a slightly different kind of sensation. And then when it goes into a build-up, you know, there's, you know, yeah. it also takes over your body in a slightly different way. And um, I find that it helps to be comfortable to know what kind of range your body can take, you know, rather than being in that situation, especially when you're like first time with a partner. I know a lot of people learn through their partners the first time you know um same for myself as well but like um but when you're with a partner there's so much more like vulnerability you know you're uncomfortable you don't know how your partner's reacting you're probably you might be naked then even more body vulnerability right so like when you're kind of with yourself um that exploration has a lot more safety and you can kind of you know understand oh you know this is how it feels as it slowly builds up and then you can take your time to explore so definitely the self-pleasure portion like the more sexual uh, understanding of how the build up to orgasm feels like for you um, definitely area of um, in fact sex toys while I do a lot of product review of sex toys I kind of put that towards the end um, I feel like not everyone needs a sex toy to do exploration but that's also um, part of just understanding what options are there you know and that can come uh, a little bit later you know just understanding what are the different toys you know what how do you choose the toys uh, how do you make one work better than the other for yourself? Um, sexual health is the other thing that comes up. Um, not so sexy, but super, super important. Um, mm. You know, in terms of like what you put in your vagina, like, you know, because super absorbent tissue, like what do you, um, what do you put near it, uh, in it, you know, like in terms of chemicals, products, understanding um, health and hygiene. Um, and even understanding whether you need to get tested and things like that. Um, mm. There's a lot of stigma around testing and I completely get that, right? Like, like, number one, there's a lot of stigma around testing and then when you're waiting for results, there's also a lot of fear and things like that. Um, but it's really being able to manage your body and that's, have sovereignty over your body. You know, when you kind of know where it stands in health-wise, you kind of know... Yeah. You know, instead of like distance and detachment, you have clarity on, you know, how it's doing, what's it's health, what are your options. You yeah. you have a lot more control over your body in that sense. You have a lot more you feel a lot more powerful in your body in that sense. Mm. Um so yeah. definitely health. Um and then and then when you build on to relationships and partners it's very different as well. Um, you know, you might have different triggers. Maybe like you're comfortable with a lot of self exploration, but when with your partners, there's different type of vulnerability issues that comes up in terms of intimacy. Yeah. Like maybe smell. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like oh, yeah. myself, I'm okay, but with my partner, like maybe smell is like major issue, or even look. You know, shave, not shave, uh, yeah. wax, not wax. You know, things like that. So, um, all these take time. You know, it's a whole journey, and you yeah. kind of like slowly expand on the exploration. But just understand that that there are all these parts. So it doesn't mean that suddenly if you are, say, triggered by how your partner thinks about smell, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you weren't uh, exploring enough by yourself and things like that. It just happens that different portions open up different awareness um, for you. And that's all part of the exploration uh, sexually. Yeah, but definitely get comfortable with touch and then move on to, you know, how you feel in pleasure. Um, definitely understand a little bit about uh, smell. <laughs> Um, and how your body changes during menses and not during menses because um, you know like different people feel different things about period sex and without period sex so this was your what face what do you mean smell <laughs> no like vaginas all smell different what yeah like vaginas smell different at different yeah. times of m the month yeah, and, and you smell different I, okay I wouldn't say smell I like I, I prefer to use the word scent because when I say smell everybody's like uh, like you know, yeah, yeah. They, they think something yeah. weird. And you have to know what is normal for you. Because, mm. you know, I mean, sometimes due to lifestyle, it's not even due to any uh, STDs or anything. Sometimes maybe due to the humidity of lifestyles, you know, and then you know, wearing too tight clothing, and then maybe there's a little bit more uh, bacterial growth and stuff like that, mm. and you get yeast infections. Then that smells different from what's a norm, kind of a normal scent. So that usually signals for you, okay, something's not quite right. I need to go get it checked out, I need to get some antibiotics or things like that. Um, so you kind of have to know the difference. And 
Um, the other is that when as you develop with partners and you know oral sex is in play, like there is a lot of the how comfortable are you for your partner to go down on you and and usually scent like I said, yeah usually scent is the the one thing that triggers a lot of women a lot um and I don't blame them because um you know like. Like, people are always joking about, like, oh, you know, like, the fishy smell and all that kind of thing. So everybody thinks, yeah. like, you know, your head just goes into, like, all that kind of imagination. But if you really know, kind of, like, this is how you normally smell, like, this is your scent, and you're really acquainted with that, there's no sense of aversion from you. It's a lot more easier when you're with your partner to be a lot more confident about it. Um, and often, actually, your partner's probably not even thinking about that, to be really sure, honest. I mean, like, when they're in the middle of oral sex. Like, like... Okay, honestly, when you say the fishy thing, right? Because I'm very, very open with, like, my, like, partners, ex-partners, or, like, guy friends. And, like, I've heard a lot of, like, them talking to me about how, like, some of the girls that they hook up with, they went down on them and they smelled really bad. Like, like, smell like fish and, like, they don't understand why and they were, like, gagging and they don't want to, like, go down on her. And then I was thinking, like, why that was. Like, I don't know, like... Like, to me, I was just, like, really confused because I was, like, first of all, like, why does she smell like that? Like, is it natural or, like, is it, like, diet or never clean properly or, like, clean too much? Like, is is she, like, doing something wrong or, like, is it even, like, normal? And then I just got really, like, confused because I was, like, I don't know, I wouldn't want a guy to say that about me. No, as in, I don't think, like, okay, personally for me, I don't think that I have, like, a fishy smell. Like, if I do, then it's a yeast infection. Yes. Or something wrong, right? So, like, yeah, hearing that, like, from my friends, it just made me very confused, like, why some girls' uh, vagina smell like that. Oh, yeah, no, same, same. Because I never quite understood the Yeah, it always thing. baffled me, like, why they smell bad. Because I've had a friend, right? Like, he told me that throughout the whole relationship, her vagina smelled like that. So, I was like, cannot be throughout the whole relationship shit a yeast infection. Yeah, I... <laughs> okay, honestly, sometimes... um. I, I don't wanna I don't wanna uh, interpret what like guys talk among themselves. Um, uh, sometimes when I hear some conversations um, from the opposite gender, um, I'm not sure if they really experience what they experience. Okay, yeah, I'm not saying they're lying. Okay, I'm not saying they're lying. But like, <laughs> yeah, but sometimes I'm like, are you kind of sure? And and it that's why I say it's very important to know your own body and be really comfortable because then you you are clear on what it is like. And okay, let's let's just talk the fishy thing. Okay? Like, let's be clear with the fishy thing once and for all. <laughs> I mean since that that t- I since I brought up that term, right? Technically the 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 vaginal um like discharge or anything, normal vaginal discharge, um, when there's a scent, it kind of it kind of like it's not a like sweet, you know, like it's not perfumed scent, obviously, right? Um but it's not pungent either. So yeah. when there's something wrong, it's like, you know, when you go to the fish market, <laughs> very bad analogy, but <laughs> when you go to the fish market and you buy raw fish, there's no, there's not really a smell, right? It's, it's just that you know it's fresh raw fish, right? So, so that's kind of like normal. And then when you leave the fish, then it's really bad and it's really like, like, like bad out there, out of the fridge for a few days. Then you get that pungent rotting smell. That's when there's an infection. So normally it just pretty much smells like the fresh raw fish. Right, like so, it's not really a smell, smell per se. So, um, as long as we understand that difference, then it's then it's not really about like our friend with someone else, right? It's really just our partner with us and and how they feel. And I mm. and I kind of think that's why a lot of people get pushed to uh, buy a lot of those like um scented washes, which is actually really oh, bad because yeah. they have oh, fragrance. Like the feminine care um, wash, yeah. right? Yeah, those like, I don't know whether I should mention, yeah, no, I shouldn't mention brands, but yeah, feminine wash, right? And then they have like a lot of fragrance. Number one, fragrance is highly toxic for the body. Um, mm. and it disrupts your like hormonal, um, uh, system. Uh, so it's highly, it's, mm. it's toxic in that sense for the body. And a lot of people are sensitive just to, um, fragrance. Like I get, I wouldn't say rashes, but I get like reaction. My skin gets reaction from fragrance. Mm. Um, just because it's just not meant for that. And then people just use so much of it, it starts to wipe out the pH, then gets more open to bacterial infections and yeast, yeah, yeah. right? But in general, if we take care of it properly, we clean properly, that really is nothing wrong with it. So, I mean, I, I it's very hard for me to interpret the situation. But I don't know why your friend had that, like, like I don't that, know. that entire I got confused if, like, is diet has a part to play. Because I know, like, diet... 
like sometimes when you eat certain foods, your sweat can smell different. So I don't know if it's like yeah, like like it happens. Like it's it, the I think, same. I don't know. It's just very confusing because I was like, is it food? Then it makes your vagina smell different. I mean, they, they, there's also that whole saying where like it, the diet also de- like kind of changes how like the sperm tastes. Yeah, that's yes. what I heard. Like it affects the sperm so taste and yes. vagina smell. Okay. Yes. No. No. Uh. Well, it definitely affects sperm taste for sure. Um. It's a very marked difference if their diet is like with like asparagus, with raw onions. It's very very obvious. Um, and, and honestly, the, the so-called normal smell of the vagina is probably not even as strong as, say, like, uh, uh, the taste, the full sensory taste of the sperm. So, um, so it, it, your body conditions do adjust according to diet, but it won't make you stink. Um, oh, okay, okay. The, yeah, the very interesting thing is that, I mean, I don't know, that relationship probably didn't work out, right? Because, <laughs> no. because the very, he did not. Oh my god. Yeah. Because it's, uh, no, I'm not talking sexually. I mean, like, in general, when I I look at relationships and there's always something around, like, sensory portion, like, you know, like, they they feel like the person stings and all that. And and you're like, no, I I think the person's okay, like, you know. Oh, yeah. That's like a a thing, right? Where, like, if the person, like, like, if you're attracted to them, they smell nice to you. Yeah. It's like a pheromone thing. So, um, oh. it, it, it's actually real, like, it's actually scientific. So that's why I say the relationship didn't work out, right? Cause, oh. you know, you know the phrase where you stink, like, when you, when they sc- you scold someone, you're like, you stink. Mm. Like, apparently there is some biological link to that. So I don't know why the whole yeah. relationship, but it's not possible that the whole relationship she had an infection. She may have had recurring infections. Um, but I think it's just, um, the guy not being very used to oral sex as well. Um, I, I don't know. I think they, me, that's the thing about media. Media is great for techno, platform, media platforms are great for passing information. You know, mm. I love it. And I, you know, however controlled it is, I'm glad that I have a media platform to use, right? But sometimes you have, you watch all those shows and it's like, it paints everything so nicely. And then the guy has this expectation. And then when they go down, they're like, why does it smell like Chanel number no. five? And like, oh my gosh, not, yeah, no, yeah, you know what I mean? True. But I yeah. actually realized something like the pee, right? Like, I feel like your pee makes a difference. Cause like, okay, this is probably very tedious. I'm sorry, listeners. But like for me personally, like <laughs> I'm a shaver wax slash waxer for my down there. Because like when I realized like when I was being sexually active, like I'm very open and communicative with my partner. So like, we talk about like whether there's a pee smell. I will tell him also if there's a pee smell. Cause like I don't want to suck a dick that smells like pee. <laughs> so like to me, as long as like it doesn't smell like pee, then I will do it. So like to me, that's hygiene. So yeah. I don't know like if hygiene maybe was what she was lacking in. Because I noticed that like as long as like you wash it down there and like when you have very long hair, like when for me like when I pee, the, the pee can like stick to the hair, like the smell. Versus like if there's no hair there, right then, I realise it's easier to just like wash and like get the smell off completely. Dude, you know, speaking of hygiene, um, no, 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 okay, it's, it's a funny story, it's, it's not me. I, oh, okay. I just read it on the news, right, that there was this um nurse who was so obsessed about hygiene and keeping things clean. She, I think, she poured like antiseptic down her vagina because she was oh like it needs God. to be clean it's not clean she's there. a nurse the fuck yeah she suffered internal burns or something oh but yeah. I'm surprised that she didn't know that was going to happen no but that was the first time I learned it you know what you're not supposed to no actually my school health ed was pretty good they were like yeah your vagina self-clean and you don't need to do that shit I didn't know that I didn't know that until I read that story no my classmate confused that story? me eh. my classmate told me I had to douche no, like no, okay, no. <laughs> she was like, you, "Why not?" I was like, "Why?" Okay, all three of us have heard weird, different things. Okay, <laughs> yeah, no, never, never douche. Um, okay, so so that's the thing with douching. So the power of the jet, because it acts like a vibrator on the external piece. A lot of people use it to masturbate, yes. right? Because it because it it simulates clitoral uh, simulation. But never douche internally. So in fact, you know, when they, um, when you douche internally, you, you clear the pH, you clear of the good bacteria as well. And then it gets more prone to infections. So there are certain operations and that, and, and that's why if anybody has to like do some sort of like internal operation, especially around the pelvic, like womb area, do check with the doctor to check if they will do any douching. Cause sometimes that's part of like 
some surgical procedures and it's best to really check because right after your body is really more uh, open to infection and then you realize that you know you suddenly have like uti yeast infection and things like that so never never douche um and the self-cleaning thing the term it's actually coined by a gynecologist about a few decades back so um, you know, but then there's all the like nice toiletries on the shelf, you know, yeah, which, yeah, yeah, like the whole family care section. Yeah, don't I'm sure they kind of help, no? Uh, no, they, they it's really very harsh. So, when I say the, the va- vagina is like a lot of self exorbitant tissue, it's really a lot more self exorbitant than say, um, even your skin itself, and your skin is highly exorbitant. Um, but the tissue itself, it's, it's super, um, exorbitant. So when you're kind of washing with feminine wash, there's a lot of chemicals involved and it really just strips it of a lot of the pH. Mm. Um, so the suggestion is really just to use water. Honestly, I, 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 so I mean, like, I don't want to do the deep dive on that, your friend's one case, but I honestly don't think that that is, like, unless the girl is some, like, cave woman who's never heard of water or bathing, you know, it's not likely that she's, she's constantly like stinking through the whole so relationship mm-hmm. it might be also a bit on expectations um and even with hair or no hair honestly with different people it gets different people going um mm-hmm. and i'm not and i don't mean the girl uh, i mean yes for, for women like like some of them uh feel better with hair they feel more aroused some don't but like for men like different different men uh, have different um reactions to that as well and for some of them hair gets them going for some of them mm. no hair gets them going but then to be honest it's really the girl's body and it's up to her how she feels i find mm. often when especially when i work with a lot of women the more comfortable they are with however their body is um their partner tends to reflect that acceptance it's not so much that they have to be some uh, certain way and then their partner reacts in um in, in the more positive way, but it's really how they, they feel internally about their body. I find that that usually happens first. Um, and, you know, I've known men who, like, love oral sex and they, like, they some of them mentioned that they don't really care hair, no hair, they don't really care. Mm. Some of them are like, wow, this smells really good. But then, like, when you, when you understand what they mean, it's not a sweet smell, but it's like that that general vaginal smell but they're like wow that one tastes really good I, I mean I heard a lot of people have that comment and it's mm. like it's so it's I think it's really personal and individual but mm. I think it's also because they understand uh, they know what to expect in that sense um, and, and like I said you know that, that particular relationship could have like tons of other issues around yeah. which we, we never know yeah but that's actually like like everything we just discussed like like I feel like it's very important it is, to it talk is. about it because like it links back Ultimately, like, your genitals is, like, what you use for, like, pleasure, like, sex, all that stuff. So, if you don't even know it, and you're not even taking care of it properly, then, like, everything will... Like, that's the basic foundation. And you also have to accept it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you accept your hands or... Okay, no, some people are like, no, I have horrible nose and all that, right? But, like, okay, uh-huh. you know, you accept your other parts of your body. The genitals are no different. They're honestly no different. But for some reason, they're given such a bad rap. Yeah. They are... Yeah. Actually, I want to ask Rain and Liz, like, whether they've ever been to a gynecologist. Because, like, I always hear, like, in Western shows, like, they always talk about, like, how, like, they go to the gynae, and then the gynae is, like, where they, like, get their vagina checked out and everything. But, like, personally for me, like, I never, like, heard people go to gynae's in Singapore. I've been to a... Actually, I, I went recently to get, um... I don't know what they call it, but, like, what is it called again? You know, and... I'm not Sorry, pregnant, I'm but you know when sad. pregnant women have like that, what's it Am called? Right? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, ultrasound. Yes, ultrasound. yes, yes. To check if there was any like, uh, because my period flow is very heavy. So they just wanted to check and do like a ultrasound to see if there was anything that was causing like a uh, heavy flow. Yeah. So like that's the reason. It was not fun because you have to drink a lot of water and then hold your pee for them long. And I was like, how much water am I supposed oh, to drink? Oh shit, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, they told me that to yeah. have a doctor so next to week. No, 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 I'm going next week. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But I've I've been to like a normal female doctor and had her like check me out because, you know, stuff. I've never, eh. I mean, like, for like, vagina to actually check out, right? I've never also. Oh, I It's have. just, yeah. This is so interesting to me because like, I feel like if I would, like, let's say if we go to Australia, right, I feel like if I were to talk to the girls there, I feel like some of them would have had that experience. 
before because it's quite normal for them. Dude, it was damn weird. She was like, you know, you have to lie down, you have to like take your pants off, take your underwear off, and then she was just like staring at my vagina, and I was but like, why is that to check? Like, I don't understand. Uh, I was, I, I had thrash. Okay. So like, uh, it was just really, really uncomfortable, and then she had to give me cream. But it was like, I was like. This is really uncomfortable for me too. Like sitting here, having you stare at me in such a like meat-like way. <laughs> it's okay. Just think about it. The doctor sees multiple vaginas a day. Yeah, no, it was, it, was a, it was like an older woman last, so I wasn't that offended. But it was just, I can't imagine if it was a guy. I wouldn't have been uncomfortable at all. I think I would have been very freaked out. Yeah, I know. Years of scoliosis has prepared me for taking my shirt off in front of a doctor. Okay. Well, um, to be fair, a lot of gynecologists who also deliver, so not all gynecologists have the um, uh, uh, are certified to deliver. Mm. But for most who deliver, there are a lot that are men. So yeah, no, um, my my yeah 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think a lot of people in Singapore when they go to see a gynecologist and are not seeing them about children, usually it's because there is some uh, womb uterus mm. function they're checking out uh, either PCOS endo oh, yeah, yeah. heavy bleeding uh, stuff like that yeah um, okay. yeah but I mean if if generally you keep yourself healthy you know and um, there's there's so-called like genuine you don't purposely go to a doctor to also check unless you're doing like full health checkup right like like unless you're doing like what the heart rate check and all that so it's the same thing unless you want to do like a general checkup I guess like a pap smear clan, uh, check, you know, things like that, then you will probably go to e- either a okay, gynae or even a GP, a family doctor. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it, you don't have to purposely have to go to, to see one just to be comfortable with your body or to, to understand the body functions. But yeah. Okay, that's pretty interesting. Fan, fun, fun new facts that I never knew. Okay, so like, uh, we talk about like a lot of areas of exploration that you can start and like, we qu- went quite in-depth on like the importance of knowing some stuff. But like, um, so now we want to know, like, what's the difference between, like, when you are exploring self-pleasure versus partner play versus, like, even, like, hookups. Mm. If, like, you have more hookup lifestyle culture. Like, so, like, how does that all... How does sexual pleasure differ from, like, all these three different scenarios? Well, between self and partner play... um the difference usually is because now you are kind of with somebody else there's that yeah. vulnerability that exposure uh, and there's also that connection with be- your relationship with that person um, so different things come up uh, in that partner play um, and and then for some people they find that they react differently like they get aroused differently or they don't get aroused in different situations between self and partner um, for sure, whether or not you're with a partner, you definitely still need to be comfortable or even continue some sort of self-pleasure um, exploration because like I said, it's a growing journey, right? And your body does change, your preference do change and you can't be dependent on a partner or someone else for that sexual pleasure. You know, it kind of puts that responsibility on them. That's not good for me. <laughs> Why? Because oh. I don't get anything from doing anything to myself. I don't feel shit. You try keep trying and learning broken. it takes time no so that's the thing right um we all feel differently so 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 when we are trying to do self-pleasure and then we we try and project our experiences to someone else because our friends like oh i experience it this way then you're like huh, how come i don't experience it this mm. way it's because everyone takes it in differently um and in general it's not that you have to do self-pleasure every day if generally that's not where your body is calling for, you know, you really don't feel the pull towards there, you really feel, like, if it's not if it's not broken, don't have to fix it, you know what I mean? So if you don't feel like, okay, you know, I, I feel great, it's fine, and it's working this way, I don't need to always do self-pleasure, that's also okay. Um, I think for some people, they don't feel the ability to build that, that self-pleasure, or feel that self-pleasure piece themselves. A lot of times, it's also because you are trying to have it look like how it is with a partner or how it is with someone else describes it. But um, it's not the case. Everybody really experiences it differently. Um, I think with uh, multiple partners or what you call the hookup culture, so very short-term sexual relationships, is a bit different. Um, there are different dynamics involved. And honestly, I don't, I don't um, like say one lifestyle is better than the other. 
I don't, yeah, sure. I don't make, I don't make that kind of uh, assessment because everyone makes their own personal choices. Um, but the thing that I will call out is every time you have partner play, so hookups are also with another partner, right? So it's always with someone else. Mm. Um, the the there is the whole um again sex, uh, sensationalization of it, you know, like like uh, I'm very sexually liberated, so I can do as many hookups as I want, or oh, um, yeah. or I uh. I am, you know, not like that person. I'm not that person who sleeps around. So I will like have lesser partners. You know, all these kind of beliefs that we or labels that we put up on that. I think we need to be really careful because it's not just labels on others; it's labels on ourselves. Um, and on top of that, um, whether or not you have like a long term partner, you know, or you have multi different multiple different partners, um, the key is always communication. Um, mm-hmm. Even with short-term sexual relationships, I think we don't talk enough about like, have you been tested? Are you clean? Mm-hmm. Was your last partner, you know, cleared from anything? Um, or when we're doing this in this short-term period, you know, are you comfortable with them having other hookups as well? You know, things like that. We don't talk about these kind of things. Um, and I think that's where we we need to be more comfortable with communication. In fact, the more partners you have, the higher your communication skills are required. Yeah, actually, um, yeah, I would imagine because so because like yeah. it's harder to establish what um you like. You, yeah, what you like, what your partner likes, because you're not exactly looking to learn so much about them because it's just maybe a one night stand. So, I think like what Andres is really true that you have to be extra. Communicative if you want the experience to feel best. for safety. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. So I, I think I think while whether or not we, we like, don't like, we are curious to explore, you know, and, and you generally liking one lifestyle may not mean you'll like one lifestyle um, further down the road, right? And all that kind of thing. Whatever the case is, I think we don't realise how much more there is to talk about that. Um, but yeah, obviously the benefit with a long-term partner is um, safety, security, and like always learning new things about your partner so that you, you know, there's a deeper understanding. You can always build on each other's uh, likes and dislikes and even build new ideas into it. There's a little bit more of that as well. So it's just different lifestyle. Um, but especially the one with, um, multiple partners, I always ask people to, to have a lot more communication. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think sometimes we are too shy to ask certain things or mm. too shy to say certain things. Um, and, and for women, I would just add one more caution is that um, I find that a lot more women, uh, men too, obviously, um, but I see this in a lot of women, is where there's also the emotional element when it comes to having mm. that sexual connection. Um, and you've got to understand where that works for you and where that doesn't. Mm. Especially if you want to have um, either like the friends with benefits type of setup or you want to have like the multiple relationships. There are certain elements that don't have emotional play. But mm. if that's not the way you roll, then you need to be very clear um, whether or not it's, it's, it's a lifestyle that you can take in that sense. Yeah. Mm. I have a question, right? But I don't really know if you can answer. But like, because we don't really acknowledge in a lot of our episodes, but like, you know how asexual people, sometimes they feel like they are weird because a lot of other people always talk about like their like sexual pleasure and stuff like that. So like, for asexual people, right? Like, do, like have you ever met someone who like came to you because they felt like they can't experience sexual pleasure in like the same way that others can? Um, the ones that came to me with that concern don't usually see themselves as asexual. They see oh, themselves okay. as previously they were very sexual. What happened? You know, why is there oh, a shutdown? Okay. Um, but I think there there is a group that is uh, what we call asexual. Like generally, um, that's not what drives them that's that's not a key concern in their lives and like i said there's nothing broken don't fix it and so um with all the talk about sexual pleasure and wellness and all that um i i i do agree that they they sometimes feel like oh is there something wrong with me should i be exploring more but if generally it's it is also possible that that's not how their body functions and just that's not what they need and there are some relationships that are largely asexual that work really really well because that's what they both want, you know. We that, like, like I said, I don't assess which lifestyle works or not. And for some people, that is exactly what works for them. And actually, asexual has a very broad range. For some people, they say asexual is I completely don't need sex, you know. But mm. and for another person, asexual is I don't mind having sex like once a year, 
you know, or something like that. Mm. So like, like that term is very, very broad. Um, so when, when, when they feel, when people feel like, oh, out of place amidst the whole sexual wellness conversation, I'll probably broach that fact where even that term alone, asexual, probably has a huge range on what's acceptable for them. And honestly, if everything else is working in your life, you know, your relationship works, it works for a relationship, then there really is nothing wrong. In that sense, the okay. only reason why people come to me is because they feel like something's missing or they feel like it's screwing up their relationship or basically they want to feel pleasure, but they they feel stuck somewhere. Maybe whatever trauma or whatever just um, experience that, that caused a shutdown, um, mm. you know, so like they feel like something's missing or there is something that's being affected. That's interesting also. I don't know if we have like time to go into that, but yeah, actually there's just like something I can relate to about how like trauma or like trusting someone. Cause like when you are talking about the difference between self-pleasure and partner play, like of course with self-pleasure, you are like alone, right? So like whatever you're exploring, like you're just doing it to yourself. And of course there's a sense of vulnerability there where you have to at least allow yourself to like be comfortable with who you are and be comfortable with you trying to like explore but then I felt like with partner play right like I think it's good that I self-explore first because like at least I knew what I want right and you're right like it feels different because like with self-pleasure like you approach it maybe differently from with a partner right but I felt like for me with partner play like there's an extra level of vulnerability like that I have to cross because like example of like um like their relationship like already has like trust issues and all that right then like um, for me to be like sexually vulnerable with this person there's like that trauma that I have to heal from or like maybe with past relationships like if like the sex was like used as like a way to like heal from fights or like as just like something that was meaningless then there's like that additional trauma that I have to heal from and then like that made, made it sometimes very difficult for me to like enjoy partner play which is why, like, sometimes I just want to, like, be alone and I don't want to have sex because, like, it's just very, like, frustrating. Yeah, I think the word is frustrating. So, like, I'm, like, kind of glad that you pointed it out because I feel like if anyone is listening and you feel trauma, like, I don't think that it's, like, you're weird or you're broken. I just feel like you have to, like, maybe talk about it and, like, try to understand why, what's causing it and, like, give yourself time to, like, heal from it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a really important point. In fact, the the issue is often not the person. Like, like nobody's really... It's not like there's something wrong with that person. Sometimes even sex isn't the issue. It gets triggered in sex, but sometimes the issue is, like you said, trust. And trust is a bigger thing in a relationship. It's not just about sex. So yeah. sometimes the underlying is really about how... Uh, what needs to heal in the relationship or in the new relationships. Um, yeah. And that's just part and parcel of us, you know, like like growing in our relationships, finding new relationships, building on our current relationship. That's just kind of like life la, itself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that literally yeah. is is that. And and learning to move from that. But um, there's really nothing wrong with us. Um, some of these life experiences can change. Sometimes certain stress triggers in life may not related to sex, maybe huge changes like you lose a job and then at the same time you have to move your yeah. house and then, you know, like yeah, somebody yeah, in the yeah, family passed sure. away, you know, like suddenly it gets... Then suddenly we, we realise like our attitude to sex change after that yeah. and we don't quite know why so sometimes the healing needs to happen on a broader level and if you're with a partner then it's really about open communication and working through it together versus like I don't like sex then or I like sex now or I don't like sex now and something's wrong with me and then you get stuck at that juncture where like something's wrong with me I don't know what's wrong um, but yeah these are things that you work out with your partner that's why we have you know we grow and we have relationships and we work through things uh, which is the fun and the sometimes slightly frustrating thing in relationships but that's that's how life is right yeah so we talked a lot about how like females like you know how we perceive sexual pleasure because i mean three girls right but uh what about guys like how like how do they perceive it i guess i mean i'm not a guy so i wouldn't know right <laughs> Well, yeah, technically, I'm not, I mean, not, I mean, not technically, I am not a guy. So, like, like, it's also very, it's very hard for me to 100% speak for them. Um, but when we work, when I work with, like, men's sexuality versus female sexuality, um, we work on slightly different things um, in terms of, for men, a lot of it is working on how to associate or disassociate some of the, um, some of the build-up um, because a lot of what men learn is the quick, fast, harder build-up and then when they don't get the harder uh, sometimes and then they'll be like, oh, 
like something's wrong with me, what's going on, and there's a lot of like, it's almost like your manhood is tied to how hard and how fast you can come. Um, mm. And uh, so like for men, it's a lot of working on disassociating that and understanding that they are not just, like th- there's really, they are like this whole sexual being versus their penis alone. Like that's only yeah. that. So <laughs> for men, the work is a little bit different. Um, the understanding is a bit different. Um, and actually between men, while we're talking separately, male and female, the really interesting thing is I think we don't understand enough about each other. Um, so I get a lot of female clients who are very interested in how men feel when they receive pleasure. You know, they're interested in understanding how they give pleasure. And I have a lot of male queries. Um, I've stopped male coaching for a short while. But I have a lot of male queries who want to come for the workshops who are like, I want to know how to pleasure a woman. And they don't say it out of, many of them don't say it out of being sleazy. It's because they really don't understand. They don't understand how the vagina reacts. You know, they don't understand how the woman feels in orgasm. They really don't. You know, all they know is, okay, you know, TV or porn tells me to roughly rub this area and that area. Like, they don't understand how it builds up for the woman, right? Um, Unless they're with their partner and they're they're fully communicative with their partners. The ones who I feel uh, are better at giving pleasure, they're really fully communicative with their partners. Um, But yeah, like, I find that it's not just about men and women, individual and their sexual pleasure, just them understanding how to give each other pleasure. I mean, especially in heterosexual relationships. Um, mm. It's the other very interesting thing as well. Oh yeah. yeah, you mentioned to us how like you, you. I think you said something to us last time about how like in lesbian relationships, they understand each other more. Because so, they like, know what to touch. Yeah. Mm, well, okay. So um, uh, to be fair, I heard this um, of uh, someone who's, um, who's an educator in the lesbian yeah. area as well. Um, and, and it's also because they're more communicative in terms mm, of where okay. they want to be touched. Um, for some reason, more communicative than, say, heterosexual relationships. Mm, um, okay. You know, because maybe um, th- there is the, the way they interact is slightly different. Penetration works very differently as well for a lesbian relationship. But the key, yeah. the key difference was communication. The amount yeah. that they talked was a lot more different. And in fact, they, like, it's, it's, it's not just when you're having sex. It's kind of like as you're building it up, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not comfortable with touching here I'm not comfortable with penetration through fingers I'm not comfortable with this but I really like this that's that that level of communication to be honest in in just day to day like most of the heterosexual relationships you don't see that happening but of course there's more awareness now but you don't really see that kind of conversation happening as much yeah I feel like it's very confusing also because like if you're trying to explain right they don't have a vagina so it's very difficult because like sometimes you don't you yourself don't really understand yourself so it's like you know that it doesn't feel good but you don't know like how to advise them and then it's like it's very confusing because like for guys like their dick is just like i i I, like i don't know like they feel it differently then for the female vagina it's like very confusing because we have like all these different parts and like there's penetrative there's like clitoral there's like you know there's like i don't know it's like so much shit then it's like so confused the importance of sex ed right here <laughs> yeah it's just really confusing yeah the importance of sex ed and and understanding your partner i mean if you're going into the whole uh intimacy thing just for the sake of getting it off then obviously you're not very attentive to your partner but if you're really building this connected relationship then then there's that thing about knowing your partner i mean you try to know your partner's likes and dislikes what they like to eat what they don't like to eat you know i mean as you're building that relationship it's the same thing in sex right um i give this tip a lot and a lot of people like that for partners is that um, the 1 to 10 so it's not just I like or I don't like which is you know sometimes a bit like oh. like a bit black white but the 1 to 10 or even 0 to negative 10 so like I don't okay. like but like it's a negative 1 versus that one is like a negative 5 okay. you know and then there's like a plus 5 or plus 8 or whatever scale you want uh. and for some people because you know like if they like to I mean this is when you're having a normal conversation of course if you're in the heat of sex and like you know you're in that space and you're in the intensity and then you obviously can't go like mm, wait uh, 7.5 like you, <laughs> you can't, your mind can't go in that direction uh, then have code words uh, you know have some code words or have some or like just go versus yes and no mm. um, you know different scenarios is different or just have code words you know maybe like keep like green yeah orange red i mean i don't know like <laughs> each each couple has their own thing right so whatever works for them but um the scale works very well especially when you're trying to feel into a little bit more of this or a little bit less of that okay actually that's a really nice way to close out with the tips thing right okay so like this episode is so long okay so like um i mean sexual pleasure is so important like we can't even just do one episode on it i feel like in the future we might have to like expand on something oh, yeah, but sure. like 
Yeah, so basically in a nutshell, like we talk about a lot of things, right? But like a brief summary of at least what I understand and like the two of y'all can add. But like it's basically like allowing yourself to like at least acknowledge that, you know, like this is like your body. Like this is like, 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 like these genitals, like they're there. If like you can accept like your hair or blah, 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 whatever, then you can also accept like your genitals because mm. they're just like as much a part of you. Um, also like understanding like your sexual health like how it differs from yourself versus your partner it doesn't need to necessarily feel the same and if you're like you're in a heterosexual relationship like understanding that there's a difference between how you guys feel and that communication is very important communication with yourself and with them it's also really important and that like at the end of all of this, it's like there's no one way to like yeah. tackle your sexual pleasure. Like everybody's journey is different and like there's no set destination in a sense. Like you're constantly learning. Just find out what you like and yeah, then exactly. expand on that. Yeah, and that like you don't need to like be like someone who has a lot of hookups or like someone who mm. like watches a lot of porn or someone who like talks about sex a lot for you to have a good sexual pleasure journey like every single person who wants to have a sexual pleasure journey can have it yeah basically and it's fine to be like clueless you know just take your time to learn at whatever place Mm. you're comfortable with that's not rush take it from us (laughs) so um thank you Andrea for Mm. like educating us and our listeners on sexual pleasure I hope that you guys um feel like this topic is more normalized like there's no need to feel shame about it and if you have any questions feel free to DM us on Instagram and have a good week bye bye